Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your home for MMA, pro wrestling, and yes, even entertainment news. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Inside the Cage, and I am your host, Terrell Campbell. Yeah, I am your man, Jerome Spann. We're back, baby. We're back again. I know you guys missed us, right? <laughs> yep. To paraphrase, it's been a long time since we left you without a dope podcast to listen to. Listen to. Listen to. Two, two. But I digress because I don't want to ruin our credibility anymore than it already has been by me trying to paraphrase that song. Uh, so, you mean like that? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a little podcast and listen, okay? Why, why do I do this to myself? I don't know. You do it to yourself every week, and you know what I'm going to do. But you know what else we're going to do? We are going to talk about MMA, pro wrestling, and entertainment. And ladies and gentlemen, me and Jerome had to comb through like things going on because, hey, the next big UFC fight isn't until next week. We've already done a preview of that. Well, one of the big fights on that card. So... We're going to talk about some of the greatest fights that we've ever seen in our fandom of mixed martial arts. So, Jerome, I'll be honest with myself. You have always enjoyed mixed martial arts longer period of time than I have. Let's say you were a fan like, um, I believe it was like maybe like about like five or six years before I started getting into it. So, like I said... I've been a fan of UFC for quite a while. Yes, that is that is correct. Correct. Trying not to make myself seem too old right now. <laughs> but that's hard because you are old. Anyways. Sir, sir, sir. I am not old. I don't know what you're talking about. I am aging like fine wine, which means I've gotten better. So Thank you, for- you. That is all. So you've been fermented and stepped on. Gotcha. Anyways. Jerome, I say you. We we both seen some classic fights, but I have to ask you. Like, say, what are some of the great fights that you've seen in your lifetime, as far as it goes in the world of mixed martial arts? Um. Well, to start, you know, I'll get you know. Of course, we we got the um. We have got God. How did I just forget his name? Oh, the the two from the Ultimate Fighter, the originator was Stephen uh, Bonner and Forrest Griffin. Thank you. Okay, so that is that is one of my favorite fights to watch. Um, but I've also see. Here's the thing: that's weird with me with MMA. I've also enjoyed a wide range of different um, different fighting styles. So. so to me, some of the greater fights, you know, some people aren't going to necessarily look at it in that way. Like for me, one of the better fights that I enjoyed over um, the course of MMA was Woodley and Wonder Boy, the first fight. Why did I enjoy that fight so much? Because Wonder Boy was pretty much taking apart everyone that he ran into before he faced Woodley. And Woodley was the first guy to literally start nullifying what he was doing and consistently be able to deliver offense back to him. Um, so that was one of the better fights I've ever seen. I would say um, Henry Cejudo and um, and Demetrius was most definitely up there because 
While I'm a big Demetrius Johnson fan, the performance by Cejudo in that fight was something that I didn't expect at all. It was one of those things that I, I would say um, was one of the, probably the most shocking fights I've ever seen in my life, just because I did not expect Henry Cejudo to bring it at Demetrius like that, but he did. Um, so I would say there was that fight. Um, if we're gonna go in the if we're gonna go back in the past. Um, I'd have to say Rampage and Chuck Liddell. That was also a great series of fights. Um, those are some of the better series out there. Though, for the most part, Chuck was um, getting bested by um, Rampage there. It was still a great series of fights to watch. They were both two, two exciting fighters. Um, Let's see, when it comes to like this, see, it's, it's hard for me to pick me out specific fights a lot of times because you know how I am. I can get kind of picky with certain fights. But um, let me see here. A lot of mine are weird, too, because they may not even be three round fights outside of that. Like the, outside of the two that I've given you already, they're not really three round fights. A lot of these are finishes like um, it, a lot of them are things happened during those fights that made me have to go back. Like when Demetrius did the flying armbar. You know, that's like one of the greatest performances I've ever seen inside of the UFC. He went in there, was dominating that fight, and then pulled out a move that nobody else could do, could even really fathom doing at the time that this guy pulled off and got a submission from. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say for sure... Connor and Diaz too. I think that fight should be in there if we're talking about top fights of all time. I know some of this is going to have some recency bias, and I don't. And I'm not going to hold anybody that wants to try and call me for some recency bias because I know in my own mind that like some because some of these fights are fresher, it's going to have a little bias. But the reason I would put that in there is because I think you saw in that fight what makes both of those guys who they are. What makes Connor the fighter that he is and what makes Diaz the fighter that he is. And they did not, they weren't scared to go in there either. They went in there and they exchanged blows. So I have to give them their credit for that. Um, and then if I had to give you like another one more fight here to try and like round it out with a solid like five. Um, this is going to sound crazy because this one's not even... It, this technically wasn't a UFC fight, but I still think it's one of the greatest performances I've ever seen was when Uriah Hall fight, fought... Um, not Uriah Hall. Uriah Faber fought Mike Brown with two broken hands and still was competitive in the fight. I think that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life, as far as MMA. Because he had two broken hands and basically could just throw elbows for the rest of the fight and he was still in the fight and actually almost ended up winning the fight well that's the thing about someone like Uriah Faber uh the California kid or should we just call him the California man now because that man is not a kid anymore yeah um, he's definitely not a kid <laughs> but but that's the thing like the guy like even even in fights where I've seen him be outclassed he still tries to keep it competitive and mind you, this guy is like a UFC Hall of Famer. He's a person that like has had fights recently. Now, let's say his last fight, mm, 
not so much, you know, like something that you want to remember, but it is one of those fights where it's like when you look at Uriah Faber, you have to look at the totality of his career. And the guy has been top level for so long. I mean, it takes like a top level athlete to nullify a person of Faber's pedigree. Well, if you look, I mean, outside of like the very end of his career, anybody that he lost to basically was a champion. You know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't losses on Faber's record before that, that were not like somebody that was either a champion at the time or on their way to become the champion. You know what I mean? Like that's, he didn't lose to bums, <laughs> you know, as much as a lot, I know a lot of people will, will knock him for not having as much success in the UFC as that what he had in WEC. I think those people are being very short sighted because WEC for all his fault that it had with its heavier divisions where they dominated was the lighter fighters. They always had the most talented lighter fighters in the world. So, you know, to not give him credit, for his WEC stuff is kind of a, it's it's kind of like spitting in the wind. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not doing yourself any service. You're just really making yourself look like an asshole. And at the end of the day, I, I think his success that he had in WEC most definitely merits um, him getting the credit that we give him. And I think a lot of people need to have more respect for what he did in his time in WEC because let me, let me tell you something. Those guys in WEC, especially those lightweight fighters, those were the best in the world. UFC didn't even have those divisions at that time. That's how you know it was the best in the world, which is why the W, which is why WEC was then bought up by the UFC for those lightweight divisions. You know what I mean? So if uh, if you're being honest with yourself, yeah, I'd say Faber most definitely with that. I mean, that Mike Brown fight was something else, man. Seeing a guy fight with no hands and only elbows, I mean, that's. That's gladiator type shit. You know what I mean? Like you don't expect guys to go in there with both of their hands broken and be like, nah, bro, I'm going to keep fighting. (laughs) I definitely agree with you on that one because you don't see that caliber of athlete everywhere. And we've seen fighters go into fights trying to well, calling the fights because of things of the nature of a broken jaw or, like I say, they dislocated their shoulder or something like that. And those are understandable things to to stop a fight at. But, like, when you have broken hands, when the majority of your offense is, oh, I am a high-level wrestler, that kind of, you know, makes you change your game plan because you're not able to implement your strategy the way that you want. I mean, high-level wrestlers need their hands for grappling. and even Just a little bit. And strikers need their hands for striking. Now, granted, yes, elbows, you can elbow somebody so the cows come home, but in the same breath, you, you lose range. 
Yeah, not everybody can hit you with those super long outside elbows like John Jones does, bruh. <laughs> um, not everybody can do that. And if I was going to throw in a performance of his in this whole greatest fight thing, it, for me, for him, it would have to be um, the second Cormier fight because he completely took him apart. He completely, completely took Daniel Cormier, who had literally ran through basically two divisions of guys and could not beat John Jones to save his life. Couldn't do it. So that, that would probably be my one for him. See, I wouldn't even give him that that second uh, Cormier fight. Why? Because of the 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 the, the micro dosing and the the micro levels in his pee that he got busted for that they then turned around and had to say, "Well, wait a minute, you actually weren't guilty of anything." You mean that? No, I wouldn't say that. That was like a a dominant performance or anything for him. I How was say- it not? He took Cormier apart. No, if you watch that fight up until the point of that kick to the head of Cormier, Cormier was doing very well. Like, he was winning. Like, I think they went, what, that fight went to My the guy, third I round? You need to go, I think you need to go back and watch that fight again. I, I watched the fight live. It was not a... And so did I. But my point is, I think you need to go back and watch that fight again. I think, I think you need to go back and watch missed. that fight again. Because huh? I think you need to go back and watch that fight again. Because I remember seeing... Seeing Cormier just walking down Jones a few times in that fight, and then what? And Jones knew one of Cormier's tendencies and caught him with a kick. Like if it wasn't for that kick, we might have had a different fight. Like if Cormier oh, would have hell no. See, you're fucking drunk now, bro. You're super drunk now. See, this is why I say you might need to watch that fight again. The first fight with them two, I'll give you that argument. No, the first give you. the first fight, Jones dump trucked him. Man, he had more of a chance in the first fight than he did the second fight. No, in the first fight, Jones dump trucked him. Like he Jones... had more of a chance in that fight than he did in the second fight. The second fight, John knew everything that man was going to throw at him, dog. Everything. He look. He got embarrassed in that fight. That second fight was a lot worse than the first fight. The first fight was kind of like, oh, you know what I'm saying? You got, you, you got left open a little bit. You know what I mean? John Jones. He he is who he is. Da 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 da. Bruh. That second fight. Hell no. That second fight. He he beat the piss out of that man. He really did. I I don't know where where this whole Cormier was in this comes from from you. I don't I don't know where the hell that's coming from because dude, that's why I say you might want to watch that fight one more time, dog, because yeah. He was pretty much doing whatever he wanted with DC for <laughs> those first uh ten minutes of the fight there. And then he turned around and finished him off in the third. I, I that's why I don't get where your argument is coming from on that. Because in the first fight Cormier at least got it to go five rounds. You know what I'm saying? So he he at least stayed in the fight. He was still pushing some offense forward. In that second fight, John Jones beat the shit out of him for three rounds. We'll agree to disagree because I think you need to... I think we both need to sit down and watch that fight together. And we'll record it, our reactions to that fight. but my question to you is, how does he not get, how is the f- first performance where he went five rounds not a better performance than when he got got his ass knocked out in the second fight? 
I don't understand that. Because the first performance, just because he went five rounds, does not mean it was a better performance. The first Man. fight, the first fight, he went five rounds, and I remember seeing John Jones take down Olympic caliber wrestler Daniel Cormier multiple times, and Cormier not able to do the same thing to Jones. That's John what I saw. Jones takes everybody down, T. Who who the fuck was staying on their feet with John Jones though? Like who when, when Jones wanted to take them down, who stayed on their feet? Name that person to me. Gustafson? No, he didn't. The first fight, yeah. Bruh. Oh, we're gonna bring up the fight where he didn't train at all and still won. We're gonna bring that one up. The yeah. one when he was out there just partying all the time and still won that fight. Yeah, we're, we're gonna bring up that. the one where he was like Eddie Murphy, yes. <laughs> yeah, that fight basically you might as well not even count that. That's more of a <clears throat> John Jones, you are more amazing than I thought than it is for me to give Gustafson any credit for anything that happened in that fight. I'm watching one guy who literally did not train for the fight and the other guy who put everything he had into it. And the guy who put everything he had into it still lost. Like, when, when when Jones fought Cormier, he trained. He put his effort into it. He made sure that he was ready to actually fight that man. He didn't... Look at... I guess my thing is, T, look at what happened when he took Gustafsson serious in that second fight. Look at what happened. Anyways. <laughs> I'm going to go on record of saying... Saying my my greatest fights, I will have to agree with you. Bonner versus Griffin, that definitely has to be at near the top of the mountain because that helped save the UFC. So you can't knock that one. Um, say, I would have to throw it. I'll agree with you definitely on Connor Diaz too because that was just two guys just going out there just hammering each other for five rounds. Another one that I kind of have to go with, um, and I know some people will be like, oh, that was a controversial fight. Oh, there was no controversy about it. And plus, I think it was a better fight than the first one was Silva versus Simon 2. Because, let's say, Anderson Silva knew who he was fighting. There was a lot of emotion behind that fight, and I think that that fight didn't see... Chell signing going out there trying to take down Anderson Silva the whole time and, you know, being successful in it. I think that that showed Chell signing being able to be, you know, successful at standing up, but it showed Anderson Silva, hey, I can adapt to this dude. Let me go ahead and show you what I can do. And the reason that I say, oh, there might be some controversy about it is because. Well, like everybody, all all mentions, oh well, he he did no signing with an illegal knee. No, he didn't. I see. Yeah, I knew it. That, he, that was a legal knee, people. It, um, it, it was to the chest. It never hit signing's signing's chin. And, and if you want to know about the le- how legal that was, I believe it was Jones versus. I think it might have been in the Reyes fight. He threw a very, very similar like knee 
I don't know, it was, it was a race or somebody else. No, it was against Chael Sonnen. He threw a very similar knee against Chael Sonnen. And guess what the ref said? Legal knee, buddy. Legal knee. Yep. Yep. That, in that silver fight, it was all that knee. Like, I can understand what people were saying at first. When you watch it live, as it's happening, you think it's an illegal knee. Then you go back and look at the at the slow motion, and you see that knee landed right dead center in the chest. So, so I say, and plus, plus, Sonning put himself in position for that knee. He tried to throw a spinning back fist, and then he ended up tripping up, falling down, looking at Silver instead of trying to get up. And Silver <laughs> just is just like, "Come on, try and get up." And Sonning didn't even make a move, so Silver was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna make you make a move." Boom, knee, mm-hmm. and. But, but we also forget, like, like we also forget, like one fight that literally shook up the world when they first did it, and that was Leonard Garcia versus the Korean Zombie. You know what? That was a great fight. Um, I, I, you know, I haven't watched that fight in so long that yeah, I kind of that one kind of was at the uh, the back of the mind there. I didn't really think about that fight. Uh, that also was a great one. Um, you know, it's, you know, what? honestly, John Dodson could have an argument for being in there with, um, I believe it was the first fight against Demetrius that he had. Cause he stayed, he compete. That was, I think that was the first time I actually saw someone compete with Demetrius Johnson in a fight in the UFC. Cause before that he had pretty much mopped up everybody. So... You know, like that's what I mean. It's it's very hard when it comes to UFC and talking about like what are you know like the greatest fights and and maybe like in at least limiting it down to a number because there's a wide variety of like reasons to why I can appreciate certain fights. You know, like we were talking about with um you know Ryan Favorite, dude. I appreciate that fight because that man was fighting with no hands and still was competitive and still almost ended up choking out Mike Brown, you know, like that, that that's different than me looking at John Jones disposing of Daniel Cormier in, in three rounds in a different way. You know what I'm saying? That's a different, a different skill set that I guess I'm appreciating. And I think that's where it comes down to for me with, um, with figuring out like what were some of these best fights, which is like, Hey, okay, what were, not necessarily the most exciting, not necessarily the most exciting fight that everybody's going to go to, right? Mine is more of what were performances that when I look back at them, they are stuck in my mind because of how amazing it was what that person did. And, you know, the, the, the right favorite thing will always be one of those to me. You know, that will always be Something where it's like, wait, this dude was fighting with two broken hands and still was in the fight and almost choked this dude out? What the hell? Um, but I just, I don't know, like I said, it's a strange thing because I have different appreciation for different things. Like, to me, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen is also John Jones choking out Leona Machida on his feet. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how how much of a beast do you really have to be to be able to choke another man out on his on his feet and then just throw his body to the ground like he is nothing? I didn't say he'd throw it. He just released the uh, hold. He, he released uh, he released the hold and Machina just went down. Bruh, he threw his body to the ground. He couldn't let him down. He was like, see ya. <laughs> but but speaking of see ya, next week we have UFC 248, and it's going to be, we're going to get a matchup in the women's strawweight division when strawweight champion Wiley Zhang goes up against former strawweight clean pen, Yoana Yonechek. And I got to tell you, this is going to be one of those fights that I'm looking forward to because you got to look at Wiley Zhang and you look at the totality of that strawweight division, there have been five champions, okay? Um, you said the strawweight division, correct? Yes, the strawweight. Sure, okay. Yeah, in that strawweight division, there have been five champions. Wiley Zhang is the fifth. Joanna Yonechek is the second. And the thing is, is people are just like, wait, she was the second? I thought she was the first. No, Carla Esparza was the first. And Joanna Yonechek beat her down so badly that she almost beat her out of the history books, okay? That's how, like, yeah, Dominic Joanna was. Yeah, I remember Yoana that was. because at the time, I was rooting against Joanna, and that was the fight that made me be like, oh, you are next-level beast. Like, oh, man, I got to be a fan of this. Right. And and if you look at the totality of that strawweight division, Joanna has been the longest-reigning person to to wear that crown. Like, look, Asparza, first offense, lost it to Joanna. Joanna went on to have multiple defenses, Till she lost to Rose. Rose defended it one time, and that was against Joanna. Then when she fought Jessica Andrade, and Jessica Andrade dropped down her head. Yep. <laughs> and then after Andrade, she had her first title defense. Oh, I'm gonna face Wiley Zhang, and boom, Zhang took the belt. So it's so it's one of those things like there are women who have beaten have been beaten by Joanna that, you know, like say have worn the crown after, but you got to wonder like how this fight's going to turn out. Cause if we get Joanna clean, Joanna champion, however you want to, you know, moniker her, then Wiley Zhang's in for a huge test. And why well, I think Joanna is still better than majority of the women in the strawweight class, right? I think her problem was getting her confidence back after losing those fights because think about it. When she lost to Rose, she hadn't lost in so long, and then she lost two fights in a row. You know what I'm saying? Like that that one, I think, kicked her confidence right in the ass. And... um you know, I think it put her in a weird spot because, like, you know, we've seen before where when a guy is undefeated, you know, he's got all this great momentum and all this stuff and then they lose a fight. All of a sudden it's like, well, they got to somehow figure out how to get their confidence back. Right. Um, so there's that. But I also think that. Joanna, 
the women in the division had caught up to her skill wise finally. And then she had to then take her game back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, how do I get to the next level now? Well, like I say, we'll answer that question next Saturday when she goes up against Wiley Zhang, because quite frankly put, this this is going to be a humdinger of a match. I'll tell you that much. Oh, my God. Did you really just use the JR line? This is going to be a humdinger of a match. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Please forgive him, America. He and, doesn't know what he does. And, and Canada and Britain and Germany. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what he does. Maybe France. And to my, and to my boy out in New Zealand. Woo! <laughs> but regardless, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of those questions answered. And I will and I will end it on this statement. Like and I've said this multiple times, Joanna Yonechek. Like, you may look at her, like, when she's fighting and be like, man, that's a scary-looking woman. But, like, if you, like, see her, like, during her, like, Instagram stuff, uh, like, she's a gorgeous woman. I will, and I've I've coined the, fir- the term, she is the Velociraptor, and she is the prettiest Velociraptor I've ever seen. Yo, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, if you look at the way that, like, she, like, like stares down her opponents... It reminds me of a Velociraptor from Jurassic Park. And she's oh, also a beautiful yeah. woman. So she is the prettiest <laughs> Velociraptor I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, oh. but with that being said, it's time we transition out of the world of MMA and into the world of entertainment. We're going to talk about Disney Plus, and then we'll get into some shenanigans. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to just go ahead and talk a little bit about how Disney Plus is. Well, Jerome, we both know that we have taken full advantage since the House of Mouse. <laughs> I love how you call it that, too. <laughs> launched Disney Plus. Now, I have to ask you, like, are there any particular, you know, things that make this streaming service and a must have for you. Um, yes, there, there, there are several shows on there that, that have kind of made it like that for me. Um, we could start with, we could start with the fact that we first off have, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but the old Gargoyle show on there. Are you kidding me? Oh man, one of my all time favorites. T, I don't, listen, I know you're saying, are you kidding me? But we probably, if we did discuss Gargoyles over our friendship, we probably haven't discussed it in over 10 years. And so, you know, cut me some slack. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, gargles. Go ahead. Now, what are you gonna say? It's one of those things where, like, I was kind of mad at first when they released it because I'm just like, "Where's the intro where you have Keith David talking about and we live again?" And then you know, because you have the iconic music for gargoyles, but you didn't have the the narration. I'm just like, oh. And then it was like in later episodes in that first season, or I was in the oh, second yeah, you season. Didn't realize that. Then, then it's like, oh, 
There it is. Okay, I'm fine <sighs> now. I'm fine now. But oh yeah, that was. Look, I'll tell you this much: Gargoyles is still one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, for those that don't know, Gargoyles managed it, it's it, it's one of those shows that manages to talk about a lot of real life issues without making it too heavy for a kid to be able to sit and watch. Like me, me and you probably as kids, you know, we could watch some super heavy shit and it really, really wasn't going to have too much of an effect on our mental psyche. Right. But you know how a lot of people can be influenced by things that they, you know, see when they're younger and, you know, it might have had a different effect on them if it got too heavy. Um, Like me and you, when we were younger, we had both already gotten exposed to the darkness of DC comic books, right? We already knew that even in an animated world of stuff that is supposed to be for kids, there can be crazy levels of violence. There can be people dying. You know what I'm saying? So we were already kind of exposed to how dark it can actually get. So um, I think it, you know, it, it wouldn't have so much of an effect on us. But to the greater point of what I was saying, I kind of got off on a little tangent there. Gargoyles is probably that show for me. And then I have to give them credit for The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian has been awesome. Um, I will say this much. Uh, the Mandalorian is most definitely one of those shows where you have to get past the first few episodes because the one thing I think that they did a little bit poorly with The Mandalorian was that I feel like they did not necessarily pace those first couple episodes correctly because the first couple episodes were paced in a sense of, hey, these are all hardcore Star Wars fans that are going to be watching this. You know what I'm saying? So we can pace it however, and we can kind of make a lot of assumptions about what you know and what you don't know, right? But I feel like over the course of this se- of the season, they realized kind of the era of that way and that they probably needed to make the show a little bit easier for everyone to understand. Instead of just, you know, the hardcore Star Wars fans. So I'd say The Mandalorian's been awesome. Um, I'm, see, the thing that's weird for me with Disney Plus right now is like, I'm more excited for what's supposed to be coming out this year, like um, the Winter, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Don't forget. I'm excited. I'm excited for that personally. And don't forget, you know, like WandaVision. I know Loki is supposed to drop too. Uh, the only one that we mm. did. The only, That's the one too. I want to know what the hell they're about to do with Loki now in this universe. Now that he is technically alive again. I'm very, very curious to see where this goes. And then like say, and then the one that you don't hear about any right now, and we didn't see any trailers for during the Super Bowl or anything else was Hawkeye. So I'm wondering if they're kind of scrapping that or if they're like, um, We'll get back to that one later, you know? I think Hawkeye is going to probably be a um, later release in the year. You know what I mean? I think Hawkeye will be one that when they're bringing back, like, the Mandalorian and stuff like that, they'll put, you know, Hawkeye in there, too. You know what I mean? Around that same time frame to be like, hey, why don't you come try out this Hawkeye, too? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think... They're already doing enough, I don't want to say experimenting, for lack of better words, experimenting, right, with 
especially WandaVision, right? Because, you know, WandaVision, they're kind of doing it in a very strange way that, like, it's almost <laughs> like a old, you know, 70, 60s, 70s family sitcom show, you know what I mean? And that's a little bit different than anything that they have presented to us so far. And especially anything that's really something different than what has been presented in the Marvel Universe so far. So I'm, I'm very curious to see um, where that goes. But I think that may be why they're pushing Hawkeye back to the end of the year. Because they realize that, hey, not everybody is going to rock with the Hawkeye you know, TV show. So we have to make sure that we place it in a time to where we can at least say, well... You're already on the app watching, like, example, The Mandalorian. So, you know, why not just come give Hawkeye a try? So your your, your thought process is, hey, you're already here. Why don't you just come over here and watch a little bit more of this? Well, because you know how... um at the end of everything, like if you say you've like finished a series or say you've fin- finished a movie or anything on there, right? Same thing with Netflix. When you finish it, what does it always do? Gives you products it would recommend to you next, right? You know, doggone well, Hawkeye is going to be at the end of every action in, in, in every action oriented show that they have. They're going to be like, go watch Hawkeye, go watch Hawkeye. And yes, I know how close I was to getting to turning total Duff Man on you right there. I was very close. Mm-hmm. Duff Man! Alright! Uh, see, definitely understand that 120%. Um, let's say, you mentioned Gargoyles. I mean, can we go back and look at the X-Men animated series? You know, Things like that. Things that, like that the, be next, yes. Things about like the Mighty Ducks, and then I found out that Disney Plus has one of my favorite movies of all time, Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell. Like they have it on there. I'm just like, oh, and I found that out, and I was going to watch it, but then I was hanging out with the girly friend, and we were looking for a movie. We we're going to watch one of her favorites. She couldn't find it. And like I was just talking about it, so we ended up watching Dan in Real Life on Disney Plus. And like I say, she thoroughly enjoyed it. It like I say it's a nice platform. It's just like a lot of the content that they have available is stuff that like people are gonna be like, Oh man, I really enjoyed this as a kid. And they've opened up the vault for it. The newer, the newer remakes of the Disney movies are on it. The original series, the original movies they did on the Disney Channel are on it. But there's still a few things that they're missing out on, like the. What are they missing though? They're they're missing the actual Mighty Ducks movies. Like they're well, missing that's because they're licensed out currently. Still, didn't you know? Man, I don't look into the explanations. I just know I want to well, see no, my no, flying no, no. V. I, you just got to think about this. Like Disney, before they came out with Disney Plus, they still had like we talked about this before, right? They still had their deals that they had arranged with Netflix and HBO and Cinemax and all these other all these other places, right? And stars and everybody, right? They so they still had product that they were going to license out to them. 
So Mighty Ducks is like one of those because Mighty Ducks has been on HBO for like the past four or five months. Everything is like, yeah, because me and me and my lady watched it roughly about like four or five months ago. We were watching the Mighty Ducks series again. So it's it's just one of those things where as time goes on, more of their product is going to be on Disney Plus. But we also have to be honest with ourselves and realize that it is a business. And so they're going to still maintain business relationships with some of these other streaming services, right? Like an HBO, right? Because HBO still wants to play their new movies. You know what I mean? They don't want to be completely cut off from that. And they're still going to want HBO to pay them for playing those new movies, even though that movie, you know, even though they may have to wait a little bit longer to bring that movie to Disney Plus, they don't care because guess what? Somebody else has already given them extra money for it. Understandable, but like, but with the Mighty Ducks, you're right. You're right. Like I was able to watch that, like say, not that long ago, mm-hmm. because of the fact that it was on HBO. Just there's just a few movies that you can't really say are available on Disney Plus that you would really like to have. I can't go on a list right now because by the time somebody may even hear this, I say that movie could come up like five minutes after I say to make the statement, you know? <laughs> oh. Oh, you don't want people to be able to go back retroactively and talk about how you didn't know what the hell you were talking about? You don't want that to happen to you? Exactly. I don't want to pull a you. <laughs> Hater, bro. Hater. But I will say, I will say, though, I say Disney Plus is a good thing. And I'm very excited, like, say, to see what's coming in the future. But. We'll, we'll see, because cause I actually just uh, saw an article where Hillary Duff wants, the, they're going to reboot Lizzie McGuire, and she wants it to go to Hulu instead of Disney Plus, because she feels it would be more true to have a 30-something-year-old Lizzie McGuire actually be involved in adult situations, and that's where, like, Disney Plus is moving a lot of their stuff that's going to be a little bit too adult for Disney. Well, here's what's funny, though, right? Here's what's funny about that whole thing. You're Lizzie McGuire, okay? Calm down over there. Oh, I want to see Lizzie McGuire as an adult. See, this is where I get angry, Terrell. This is where your boy has the pushback on Hollywood. Can we please move forward from some of this content. I don't need the same characters revisited all the damn time. Don't need it. Really don't. But you also got to remember that that show in general ended not because there was any, there was a decline in ratings or anything like that. It, or, or even decline in quality. It ended because of two factors. One, Disney channel had a, prerequisite that all shows had to be cut off at the 100 episode mark and then also because there was a contract there was a dispute between Hillary Duff and the people and like they were getting close to that 100 episodes and they're just like 
we can do more with this. They're just like, no, 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 we have our policy. And then say, notice, Hillary Duff didn't do anything Disney for a long time. For a very long time. She she's one of the few actresses that was involved with the House of Mouse that didn't that didn't end up spiraling out of control and having crazy weird things happen and having any kind of controversy around her. <laughs> I mean that's not fair. You know, that's true. That is that is true. But come on, man. We know what fame does to people when they're young. Like that's not fair. That's not just Disney. There's plenty of musicians that can attest that hey, uh, being famous when you're young screws you up. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's that anybody's immune from it. I'm just saying. Notice a lot of the people that get caught up in BS have a connection to House of Mouse. Well, bruh, that's because Lindsay like- Lohan, Britney Spears, <laughs> Christina Aguilera lost her mind and then got it back. Um. They say it's. Oh. They say Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf became one of the biggest stars in the world, <laughs> and then he's just like, "Yeah, do it, do it." I no, mean, no. come on. He became one of the biggest stars in the world, and then decided to make a movie where he was actually having sex in it. Nobody wanted to see Louis Stevens having sex. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wanted that. I mean. Nope, nope, I'm not going to go down that pathway because then I, it would have been an even Stevens pun that would have been, been way out of bounds for us. Nobody but, wanted to see Sam Witwicky cutting cheeks, okay? Nobody wanted to see that. Yeah, I want to see Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. But I think we've talked about uh, Disney Plus enough. And Jerome, are you ready? I'm always ready, sir. Didn't you know? You might as well call me Lance Stevenson. I was born ready. All right. So then we know what's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, we know it's shenanigans time, but we also told you we'd have a special guest, and our special guest is the queen of smoking darts and breaking hearts, ladies and gentlemen, my friend from the Jericho Cruise, Taryn. Hello, everybody. All right. So that was okay. Hello, everybody. All right. So with that being said, said Jerome, we know this is your time to shine. You, We know you've been composing stories all week. So ladies and gentlemen, it spans shenanigans. Right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome inside the mind of a madman here. Again, again, I say to you every week, ladies and gentlemen, pay attention to these type of stories because guess what? They're going to help your lives. And guess who's not going to help your lives? We'll get there in a minute. But let's get started here with the first story of the week here. You know, we got some strange ones. We got some fun ones. We've got some interesting ones. Some might be sad, but hey, at the end of the day, we're trying to just leave you with a smile on your face. But we will start here with one that I think is a very positive thing. Um, Harvey Weinstein was found guilty this week. The jury convicted him of rape and a criminal sexual act. Thank goodness, because let me tell you something. Creepo is like a Harvey Weinstein. They should all be thrown under the fucking jail, in my opinion. But that's one man's opinions here. But yes, I think they should be thrown under the jail because let me tell you, guys like him especially are abusing the power that they have and the position that they have in order to 
further their sexual deviancy. And I'm not cool about that, bro. Listen, if you got all that money, you can find somebody that'll willingly do whatever little freaky, nasty shit you want to do. Find them, pay them, do whatever you got to do. But please, please stop forcing people to do this because you're nothing but a sicko and a rapist and you deserve to be thrown under the jail. So I'm glad somebody like Harvey Weinstein, who's got all the money and all the power that he needs in the world to maybe get himself out of this situation, is going to have to pay for it. So I'm uh, I'm glad that that happened there. But moving forward here, Oklahoma schools will now require its schools to teach the Tulsa race race massacre. For those that don't understand what happened there, uh, I will try not to go too far into it. But essentially, I'm going to tell you to look up one thing: look up Black Wall Street and why it ended up getting burned down. Because and basically, it comes down to a lot of racism. Okay, um, a lot of these people have what we want and we're going to take it from them by any means necessary. So, you know, there, there's that, but it's, I think that's a very good thing now that we are moving forward and that the Tulsa school system is now going to require themselves to, you know, have that in their curriculum and be taught to all the students. Because let me tell you something, Terrell, I don't know about you, bro, but I found it kind of alarming, kind of, kind of alarming how many people did not know that what was being shown in Watchmen was a real event, was some real shit. I, I, I don't, not in the sense of like, hey, those characters existed, but the, the race riot that went on there, the massacre that went on, people didn't even know that that was real. I have had, dude, I don't know if this happened to you, but I've had an absorbent, absorbent amount of people tell me that they did not know that that was actually something that went on in our country. And it's like, yes, you assholes, it went on much more than you think. But to the greater point, glad now that um, they will be teaching this in the school system because it can't be denied anymore. And a part and a part of being able to move forward. And one brilliant thing that they did in um, in South Africa, right, was that everybody had to admit what they did, right. Every, no matter what your part was, no matter how small you might have thought it was, everybody had to admit it. You know, truth and reconciliation is an amazing concept, right? It's amazing what the truth can do and how it can change the perception of any situation if people are just really willing to admit what went down. Because, like, if you don't admit the truth of what went down, you can never really move forward past it as a society, right? But moving forward here. Uh, gotta give, um, gotta give a shout out to Waka Flocka Flame, Terrell. And I'm, I'm sure you're wondering, why the hell am I giving a shout out to Waka Flocka Flame? I definitely am. All right, so Waka Flocka Flame, I'm giving him a shout out for being very, very, very self-aware. And what do you, what do I mean by this being self-aware? Like, what, what is this guy talking about? Waka Flocka Flame, literally he's came out and said this week, Hey, man, I know I'm a whack rapper. I know I've been a whack rapper, but I've made some good songs. Thank you for being very self-aware, Waka Flocka, because guess what? You know you're a whack rapper, and at least you're willing to admit it to where there's a lot, a lot of whack rappers out here that don't admit it. Um, Shout-outs to, to the man, Bomati Jones. For, for people that don't understand how... Uh, how a whack rapper can make like a good song or good albums. This is basically how to explain it to you. Easy E, whack ass rapper. Easy E, not a good rapper. 
But easy does it. Classic album. See what I'm saying? See? Shout out to the man Bonnie Jones though for bringing that example out there because that's the perfect example. Because Easy is a whack ass rapper, but Easy Does It is a classic, classic gangster rap album. But thank you though, Mr. Waka Flocka, for being self aware enough to bring this out here. I wish there are more people that would be, uh, you know, more self aware like that. I wish so. But <laughs> moving forward here, uh, this one here is going to, it's partly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I am partly like, uh, I'm disgusted. So, old Agent Orange is out here now, Terrell, selling shirts that are saying, woke Trump supporter. Just want to run that one by you one more time. Woke Trump supporter. Wait, um, hold on. I'm sorry. I just heard an oxymoronic thing just being said by you. <laughs> yes, you heard me right. You heard me. Yes. So he is out here um, again, trying to pander to, to some more people again. Oh boy! All I have to say is, Agent Orange, that shit ain't gonna work. He's like make, people don't rock with you. He he's making me rethink of or, making me rethink orange is my favorite color. I mean, like really, making me rethink of orange soda, <laughs> making me rethink, rethink of Cheetos. I mean, just everything. Just no, 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 no. Who loves orange soda? Troll loves orange soda. That's and that's true. <laughs> I do, I do, and I definitely do. That's it. Facts. I, I gotta chime in, guys. I don't like orange soda. I like orange pop. She doesn't know, does she? Well, well. Also, we had also factor in, and like I don't know if I prefaced this before, but but our queen right here, Taryn. She is Canadian, so like say it may just be like say that that's what they prefer to call it up there. Is, is that is that where we're going with Taryn? Is, is that yeah, how we we call it orange pop. Uh, you go to the south, you call it soda. Here, you come to the Midwest, you call it soda or pop. I call it pop. Terrell's weird because it's soda. It is because well, it it's called orange soda. I mean, what's, <laughs> it's called orange soda. But we all know what it is. Yeah, it's the same thing, just different names. It pop to me is a type of music. Pop to me is a type of music. Okay, hey, I'll I'll go to the store. Hey, where's your pop? I'm just like, where's your soda? at? Because soda means something. If I go to a record store and I'm like thirsty, but I'm looking for an album, I can't say pop because then they're gonna point me in the direction of of the pop music, and yeah. Different words, man. Different words. Anyways, Jerome, uh, continue on with shenanigans. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, it's your boy Agent Orange to run now. Again, we'll move forward, though. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially, a scientist have found like a jellyfish-like parasite that basically doesn't 
need to breathe. It can survive without um, oxygen. It's a multi, technically it's a multicellular organism lacking a mitochondrial genome, meaning it's perfectly capable of surviving without oxygen. Um, What's amazing about that is that's the first thing that they have really documented on Earth that can actually survive without oxygen. Pretty much anything that's alive on the face of this planet has needed oxygen to survive, and now they have figured out that, hey, (coughs) maybe there are a few things on this planet that you don't actually need that at all. So, kind of wild, but, uh, you know, that's how how science is. Science is always going to show you some really, really um, amazing, amazing things, you know. Um, But moving forward here, we've got astronomers have essentially found, uh, they searched around 200,000 stars to find evidence of like planets and around these 200,000 stars, they consistently found um, 17 new like planets that we really didn't know exist. So again, science out here, um, you know, breaking, breaking doors down every week, every day, showing you that there is so much more out there in the universe that we don't really know about and that we just need to keep trying to strive to, um, to figure out, you know, like what, what more can we know? Um, molecular oxygen was also discovered in another galaxy for the first time. Now to go into me explaining how that happened, I would have to read you quite a lot of stuff, but if you want to know about it, just, um, type in molecular oxygen discovered in another galaxy and it'll come right up for you the story there. But essentially, yes, that's an amazing feat because we did not realize that there was actually oxygen necessarily in other galaxies. We knew that, the building blocks of life were in other galaxies as far as like having like um, the same fundamental building blocks that we have, like carbon, a lot of carbon levels, but we really hadn't found the same type of oxygen that we have here. And that's essentially what they found. So that's pretty awesome there in itself. I don't, um, I don't know if you know this, uh, but Terrell's going to turn us into um uh, the robots when everybody turns on us. So I'm hoping that maybe before that happens, hopefully maybe we can start colonizing space to get away from Terrell and his, uh, the fact that he is going to be, um, you know, screwing us all over there. I will be the human ambassador to the robot overlords. Okay. I have already staked my claim. The machines have already approved it. So we just waiting for the right time. What machines? I've said too much. This <sighs> That's what worries me. Um, researchers have suggested from some scannings that they have been doing that there is a second type of schizophrenia. Um, people are wondering what could that necessarily mean. Well, for those that don't know, schizophrenia is something that can really, really mess your life up you know like it's that's something that it can be lived with but it takes a lot a lot of treatment and everything around it okay well essentially we've been trying to understand you know the disease for quite a while and now with the fact that they think that there may be a second type of schizophrenia it may actually give a better fundamental understanding to what is wrong with a person in a better way to end up being able to treat them um it's kind of amazing. Again, like I said, this is one of those things that um, 
you know, we, we wouldn't have without science and people need to start paying more attention to science because this type of stuff happens all the time. All the time. But we miss them because guess what we're paying attention to? Kim Kardashian put out this new eyeliner. Ooh, yay! Like, who cares? Let's stop that. But moving forward here, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we will always, of course, get to them. So human stem cells were successfully used to cure um, diabetes in mice. What does that mean? So there are millions of people living with diabetes on this earth. If we can find a cure for them, that would be an amazing thing. That would help improve the life quality of quite a few people on this earth. And like I said, I don't have it. My mom has it. I would love to see the day where she would not have to deal with, you know, giving herself insulin shots and, and, and maintaining her levels and just actually being able to be cured of such a disease like that. You know, we've spent a lot of time and money on this disease, and I hope that now we're approaching the point that there can be a cure. <laughs> um, but yes, um, on a sad note here, Australia's... Um, there are aggressive bushfires there that happen there. It, it seems to have taken over a fifth of the of the nation's forest area. Um, those that don't know, Australia has some areas where it's forested, but a lot of it is big ass desert, <laughs> um, very very much so. And so, when you lose one fifth of your you know of your forest, that is very detrimental to the entire ecosystem. I mean, people want to, you know, always talk about these things, but at the end of the day, without these massive forests that we have around the world, none of us would even have any oxygen. I mean, for goodness sake, I believe like um, something about like a third of our oxygen comes from the Brazilian rainforest and we're cutting those damn things down. <laughs> so we just got to pay attention, people. You can't, you know, we can't keep destroying the earth. We can't keep doing that plain out and simple. Um, but you know, that's, that's people though for you, right? We kind of lose sight of, of things that can be bigger picture at times. And we just kind of do a better job of most definitely, um, paying attention. Now I'm going to end this week with two stories. Okay. And the, the second one will be the Skynet story of the week for our boy Terrell Campbell here. <laughs> Um, well, hold on a second before we get into that. I want to I want to double check something here, Taryn. Yes, sir. Yes. All right. So you're familiar with Skynet, right? No. Okay. So the pretense is uh, with in the Terminator movies, Skynet is what causes the robots to uprise and basically kill all of humanity. Okay. okay so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the movie. Yeah. So pretty much. So pretty much when he says it's the Skynet story of the week, that's what he means in terms of, oh, this is going to cause this to happen. So, all right. So just just want to make sure, just like I say, just for you. And then also for anybody who may listen that may be like, why do they keep bringing up Skynet? That's why. So, all right, Jerome, go ahead. Give us the stories. You better stop explaining my jokes, too. Let it sit. They either figure it out or they don't. Let the joke sit. <laughs> but all right, so the relative serious story. Um, just want to say, Americans, hey, I have been one that has said we don't need to 
worry too much about the coronavirus. The only thing I would tell you is not much has changed in my mind on that. I would just simply say to you that just be prepared, though, because there are going to start being interruptions in everyday life. Um, why is that going to happen here in America? Because we have a buffoon for a president who destroyed what Obama had set up to deal with situations like this because it was just something that Obama's name was on. And so now we are way behind in the, um, in the reaction and everything that we should have been initially taken and how we're responding. So just want to say, just be prepared for some interruptions in everyday life. People just be prepared. But, now for our Skydance story of the week, there is a noodle-fingered robot gently hugs a deep-sea jellyfish. Why am I bringing this up, right? Because jellyfish can be one of the most dangerous things on this earth, right? And so we as humans can't go up to them and hug them, but we have developed little robots that can go up to them and hug them gently and bring them into a containment if we need them. So now, not only are the robots going to have people like Terrell snitching us down, but they're going to be able to capture jellyfish and throw us in tanks of jellyfish. This is terrible, people. This is terrible. We have to stop this now. And also, to link in with this second part here, a paper reported that 25% of climate change denial tweets in 2017 came from bots. So people were already being infiltrated by bots. We got to slow this down now because sooner or later it's going to become Skynet. And when Skynet goes live, we're all dead because Terrell's going to snitch us all out anyway. That is, that is not an untrue fact. That's that's right. That's right. That is not an untrue fact. They're going to need someone to do maintenance. I'll do maintenance. You know, I'll live... And then I might take one or two people with me, you know, you know, I might take the girly friend, you know, I mean, as long as she's not trying to be part of the resistance, then, you know, we might have to reevaluate the relationship at the time. But, you know, but up until that point, you know, everything's good. Jesus. You see what I mean? But. We gotta pay. We gotta start uh, paying attention to that stuff. There. And to end it here, I, I didn't forget. I actually did have one more story. We're gonna end it here on a positive note. So there is a device that is um, that has been created by some people at the University of Texas Health at San Antonio. Um, essentially, it is a device that can extend the length of a heart that is being transported for a recipient. Um, right now, basically, we have about four hours of preservation, right, that we can basically do. Like, four hours is about the max. But with this device that essentially keeps the heart kind of functioning and, and fresh oxygen and everything pumping to it, it can take that four hours and extend it out to about 24 hours. Um, that means now that the where the hearts can go and everything can really be extended because basically we were at a point where if you couldn't get it to a person within four hours, it was basically useless. <coughs> Excuse me. Now we are approaching technology that can then make it 24 hours, which could change quite a few lives because I don't know if you know, but you can basically get to anywhere on this earth within 24 hours via plane. So just wanted to bring that up, but as I tell you every week, people, 
please stop paying attention to the Kardashians. They don't give a shit about you or your family or your betterment. All they really want to do is drain more dollars from you. That's it. Pay attention to science. People, science will help change the lives of you and people around you for the better. And it won't really take from you. All it really wants from you is you to pay attention and think it's cool. Because science is always going to keep developing. They just want somebody to pay attention and say, hey, this is what you're doing. That's amazing. How can we do more of that? How can we help you do even more? The Kardashians are just going to ask, how can they take more money from your pocket? So please stop paying attention to Kardashians. People pay attention to science. It will help change your lives and the lives of those around you for the better. And that's all I got this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Spans Shenanigans. That's right. That was a look into the mind of a crazy man and look into the mind of his friend that's going to turn you all over. So with that being said, it, let's say we in that Spans Shenanigans, we in our entertainment section, but we all know what's coming next. This is the part where I know Taryn has been looking forward to. That's right. We are going to talk wrestling next here on on. Inside the cage. I was going to say, damn, did you forget our name? <laughs> no, I didn't forget the name. I just, like, paused because I was just like, oh, wait, hold on. But, yeah, we're going to talk wrestling next. One. All right, so it's wrestling time. And we also we all have to talk about it. The travesty that happened on Thursday. I'm talking about... Goldberg becoming the WWE Universal Champion over the Fiend. Oh, what he is, your man's, bro. That's your man. Number one, uh, we both know how much I feel, how I feel about Goldberg. We know how I feel about Coco Beware, and we especially, especially know how I feel about both of them combined. Because you, you could have made them go Coco Berg. You could have been Gold. Beware, I don't care. But both of them, no. Don't go beware for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm not a Goldberg fan. Thank you. Say, but but we have to address it in a civil, in a very civil way. So, with that being said, how do what was what was both of y'all's reactions to this? travesty of Goldberg becoming the universal champion. I down there threw my TV with the remote or my remote at the TV. So not good. I <laughs> say, say, cause when, when I saw that happen and, and I've even gone on record as saying the only reason that I would even watch would have watched super showdown was to see the fiend beat Goldberg, but then that happened, and I—that's one of those moments where I wanted to rage quit WWE. Just like you know what, I get—I get wrestling on Wednesdays. It's okay. I get wrestling on Wednesdays. I get AEW on Wednesdays because that to me just—you took—you spent months and months building this great character in the fiend, and then right, you don't really feel like that. Goldberg deserved to win. I mean, he did come back and he dropped his matches to other people when he needed to. So he doesn't feel like you don't feel like he finally should have got a win. You don't feel like that? No. Not for the title. Thank you. What difference does it make whether it's for the title or whether it's not? So he dropped. He already dropped the L in a title match before this. So why not give him a win now? So Brock so Lesnar. Like I get in 
to like heated debates. So you'll have people that work their asses off year round. You bring in Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Goldberg. They take a spot away from a guy who worked their ass off year round and you give them the belt. It's not, it's not worth it. It's not fair. I that's, that's just me. That's, I don't like it. And I understand the attraction of having Goldberg there, but like the guy hasn't wrestled a match since that since what SummerSlam? I was gonna I was gonna say Undertaker, but that was that wasn't his last match. He had match with Ziggler at SummerSlam, um, but he hasn't wrestled a match since SummerSlam. And he did beat Dolph Ziggler in that match, so he was coming off a one win match against. One of the most talented superstars, but someone who's been positioned on the card for the last, what, like a couple years as, oh, he's good enough to be around the Intercontinental title, but not good enough to be around the world title. So I don't understand how all of a sudden he got to come back in and get the title shot, which understandably, like I say, he's a name and everything like that. But you do have like, but you don't. You're going to act like you don't understand, Terrell. I'm going to call bullshit on you for that. You want to know why? Terrell, who was their old man match for WrestleMania this year? Who was it? What, for this year? Or you meant last year? Yeah, who was the old man that they were going to drag out there this year? Who who was it? Because I don't think they even had an old man match yet. You know every year they got an old man match at WrestleMania. Every year. They got to bring back some legend to come fight. You got to be some known name. So they can throw it on the banner and say, see, this person's going to be a WrestleMania too." I love it. I say, say, well, well, what I think what he's saying is they didn't, they didn't have anything scheduled yet. And now with Goldberg having the, the title, there's like, oh, we have this match. And now it's him versus Roman Reigns, which in all honesty, yep. in all honesty, and I'll be the first one to say this. And this is me saying this completely impartial. That match shouldn't go longer than about like five, six minutes. Um, and that match should just look like it should be like the caliber of a high level MMA fight where you are going to see these two guys just beat the tar out of each other and then just one of them pick up the victory because we all know that, that Roman has a gas tank on him and he can go for a while, but we can't say the same thing about good old Billy Boy because he doesn't thrive well in matches that are longer than about, oh, like six minutes. Like we saw saw him versus Brock Lesnar like two years ago, two, three years ago. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, but they had a perfect match for both of them because it was short enough to where Goldberg didn't get gassed out and it was long enough to where people weren't like, oh, well, that's a disappointing i mean look at it right now the two at least for the most part we had two champions on smackdown and raw that were you know even if brock was the champion on one we had another one that was was a full-time guy and everything like that now we have two guys that get pranced out you know brock lesnar you know four or five times a year goldberg like what this is the Third time we've seen him, and I'm not saying in the last calendar year, but in the course of a of a year time frame, like say since that Undertaker match, this is the third time we've seen him. So 
it's one of those things where I understand what they're doing, like Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. That's going to be the big money match, but at the same time, no. It's not. I'm a Roman Reigns fan, and I'm not even excited for this match. And like it's just ugh, same old WWE crap. Right, they do the same old stuff, and then they, I say, say they want to give us a shit sandwich and expect that we think it's roast beef. Okay, no, that's not the case. We know when yeah, they, they need help. Yeah, I say they they need to hire a new booking team. Um, because they say, I understand that old man Vince is like, oh, well, this is my money match. This is the one that's going to get people, you know, you know, to buy WrestleMania. I'm just like, bro, like people buy WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania. It's, it's sort of like how people watch the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. Oh, think about it. Jerome, you can attest to this being a Chicago Bears fan. We'll still watch the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl, even though the Bears are in it. Facts. How I even watch the Super Bowl, and I don't even watch NFL. Well, that's because... Do they have the NFL up in Canada? I don't know. That's a no, legit we have, question. we have CFL here. Yeah, I know you guys have the CFL. I just didn't know. So, so wait. So, you mean to tell me that when the Super Bowl comes around... You're able to watch it in Canada, but regular NFL, you're not able to. No, we're able to. I just don't watch it. Okay, okay. Well, just was double checking there. Like I say, say, don't ask that question to a lot of Canadians. I'm just like, and I got the queen of the DEC on here, so wanted to double double check. Oh yeah, you can ask me anything. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me, I know, and that's one one of the reasons why we have you on here because I know I can ask you anything. But in the same token, we all know. Goldberg reigns, not the match we want to see. I didn't want to see the Fiend lose the belt because of the fact that, say, there's so much you could have done with that character. And if you were going to have him lose it to anybody, you know, if I would have been okay with Reigns taking it off of him at Mania because then it would have been like, okay, at least it's a full-time guy. But you had Goldberg go out there, do his spears, his, his sloppily, you know, executed jackhammer and – beat the fame, whereas, like, you could have saved, you could have, like, had Reigns do it, or you could have even, like, started building somebody to do it, you know, to, you know, help make a new star, not give shine to oh, another yeah. one. I think my issue with it comes down to that they do not have the instant rematch clause anymore, so now they can basically just move on from Bray Wyatt and act like his reign didn't even mean what it actually did. And that's the part that upsets me. Yeah, I just don't like that they took the belt off of Fiend. I'm not a Fiend fan. What they were doing with him was good, cool. But he lost the title to a washed-up old man. Cool. Looked like a bitch now to Fiend. (laughs) And this is why we we invited her on, because we knew she would speak her mind. But let's talk, let's get away from bad creative to good creative and we're going to go ahead and talk about what happened with AEW Revolution last night. So I won't go over every match of the card because quite frankly there were quite a few matches and and you know what? I will say this again. AEW and and Taryn, I know you might tear my head off on, on this one, but Jerome knows. I have said 
said some some rather candid things about AEW on the week to week programming uh, scale, and I've said recently, okay, they're 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 starting to you know find foot traction, but at, like I say to where like their storytelling is making sense to me, um, but AEW pay per view wise. The only thing that can even remotely compare to AEW pay per view wise is when NXT does a takeover, and even and and now I even have to say after last night's revolution, that AEW has t- took a huge leap um, above NXT in terms of the you know ability to put on these special events because I watched watched the whole show and. I was thoroughly like it was one of those times where like even during like an NXT uh pay-per-view like takeover or when worlds collide I'll look at my clock and be like okay like when how this match is going on forever during that during watching the AEW pay-per-view I was not paying attention to the clock uh until like say it was getting later in the night like like you're talking about like a three and a half four hour show and it was probably about like three and a half hours before I started looking at the clock and saying, "Oh, I need to start start making moves. I got I got places to be in a little bit." But yeah, yeah, the pay per view was amazing on every level. You know, you know, like I say, it's like I say now. Now I'm, I'm going to ask you, Taryn, what do you think was the best match of the night? Well, Tag team, Hangman, Omega, the box. I will have to agree with you a hundred percent on that one because, like, that was, and and that was one of those things. And Jim Ross said it best. He's just like that. Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone said, "Wow, that is possibly the best tag team match we've seen in a long time." I'm just like, they're right because the exchange of the moves and everything like that. It was, it was one of those ones you didn't where like you kind of saw everything going down and you're just like, Ooh, I don't know who's going to win this one. I mean, well, yeah. It, like it kept me questioning and I was like, are the box going to take them? Like what? I was like, I was just blown away. Say so it's, it, 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 it was amazing. But, but then I love how they did the little tease towards the end there. With Hangman and Kenny, yeah, like the walk away, but then he came back for him. The 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 he was holding on to the ropes like he was getting ready to launch himself and getting ready to do the buckshot lariat. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that oh, so good. No, like I have nothing bad to say about that match. It was excellent. Let's say it 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 was it was excellent, and, and plus plus for me, it told a really good story especially with Matt Jackson and Hangman just going at each other the whole time. Like, like, and you had Kenny and Nick just kind of being like, dude, this is our friend. We're not trying to kill him. This is our friend, you know? But Yeah, like with the, the uh, ballad shit there. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Go through the table. But then, you know, Kenny stopped it. Right. And then when, and then when Matt was going a little bit too, too hard on Kenny... Nick was just like, dude, what are you doing? Like that that to me yeah, like step the fuck back. Yeah. That that to me was a good was a good thing because we got to see, like say, the story still being told 
within the confines of the match. And that was great for me. Yeah, like it was overall very excellent. Say now, now I have to ask you though, like say, say, we know that was the best match, but some matches are good, but they're more fun matches. Which do you think was the most entertaining match of the night? Entertainment-wise, I think I'm going to have to go MJF and Cody. Really? Just because we've been waiting so long for that, like, it entertained me. Okay. Let's say... And I'm not. I'm not saying it was a bad match by any stretches of, of the imagination. Like that was actually a pretty solid match. Um, MJF. <laughs> so I, I got to ask you this question, Taryn, because I know you were on the Jericho cruise. Like I say, I was there with you. Um, the, it, at any point in time, like say on the cruise, did you see MJF? Was he smiling? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? The last night I was at Kickax and Jungle Boy Janela. And MJF showed up, and he was smiling, but he was only at the stage for like two or three minutes, then he left. But that's the only interaction I even had with him, because he was right beside me. Okay. Let's say, yeah, because I know, like, say, during the Jericho Cruise, you were, like, kind of a little bit of everywhere. And I know that also, like, say, he popped up at karaoke uh, one of the nights and had somebody sing. Um. So yeah, like which night was that? Oh, I was probably there. I know you were probably there because you were there almost every night for karaoke. I think that was like the third, or I think that might either been the third night or it was the last night. I don't remember. I think it was the third night. Okay, yeah, because I I know that there was one night I I know I wasn't there because I there was something else going on. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I know he he popped up. I mean. Let's see, so many interesting things happened on that cruise. Jerome, if you get a chance, you need to come on the next one. Triple whammy, next February. Highly recommend. I'd like to. February is just a weird time. You know that. I know, I know. February is a weird time because your football and, you know, your little person's birthday comes comes in February, too. Not so little person anymore. Pac. All right. So 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 you're saying MJF and Cody. I'm gonna have to say Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, yes and no. All right. All right. Like, I I don't really know. Like I'm still trying to get down with like the Orange Cassidy thing, but he's just not like super over with me. Let's say. Say the main the main reason I have to give it to Pac and Orange Cassidy as being the most entertaining match of the night is purely because I just thought it was a fun match. Like like for me there wasn't a lot of emotion involved or anything like that. I and I even told you before we even started watching the pay-per-view, I'm just like I'm kind of watching to see how Orange Cassidy does in this Pac match, because mind you, this is one of those matches that didn't have a lot of buildup to it. You're talking, they made the match on Dynamite on Wednesday. And yeah, they threw it together, really. Yeah, they threw it together. And I'm like, okay, you could have built up a different match. 
But this was one of those times where everybody's just like, okay, well, we're going to see what happens here. And then say just those explosions of like offense that Orange Cassidy would have and the little like nuances he was doing in the ring. I, I found myself laughing and at the same time, like uber impressed by Orange Cassidy because I've seen some of his work, but like not like full scale matches. It's always been like little clips and stuff. I'm just like, okay. But then like to see him actually like go in there and actually like wrestle someone on the level of pocket and be like, oh, this guy's got some speed. He's got, you know, like when he turns it up, he can turn it up. It was, it was interesting to me. To, to yeah, like like he has an excitement about him, and like he's growing on me. I'm just like not there yet, <clears throat> and that's understandable. Like I say, he's he's an acquired taste. I mean, just like orange juice, you know, orange Cassie is an acquired taste. Um, but I say with with, with all the revolution, though. So so here's 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 the rough part about any kind of like pay per view pay per view like kind of uh review we always like to talk about good we always like to talk about entertaining i'm not saying that there was a bad match on the card but there's always one match that kind of just falls a little short what match do you think that was in terms of let's say what happened last night at revolution i think the derby uh sammy one did you think that one fell short? I did because they like they had everything going for it, but like I think they could have just done a little bit more, right? Like with like all the backstory of like the hurt throat and, and all that. Like he should have hurt Sammy's throat, I think. Uh, so you wanted, so you wanted it to take that little extra tick up. You wanted to go get a little bit extra violent on there. Yeah, like the like break his neck. I guess. Like I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But like payback's a bitch. Here's my skateboard to your neck, bro. Okay. Let's say, cause let's say, and that's like say, I enjoyed that match thoroughly. Um, I say I understand what you mean by like they should have went a little bit more with it. But the one that kind of felt flat for me was the women's title match between Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose. And, 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 and let me go on the record of saying, and I don't, I've never told you this, uh, Jerome has heard it multiple times. Anybody who's listening has heard, I hate the design of the women's title. I don't like it, but yeah, it's, it's a shitty design. It's it's <laughs> but, but I think the, I, I think Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander, Statlander, it could have been a really great match, but just it something was missing for me. And I, like I say, I'm not saying it wasn't a good match. I'm just saying, like from what I've seen from both from both wrestlers, they should have. Like I was expecting, I was expecting to be a little bit more like a brawl than anything, and I didn't quite get that because you have two, you know, like say bigger athletes just going one-on-one and I'm expecting it to be a clear cut like okay we're brawling this out where as opposed to we're getting like like you know like oh let's do this let's do that because Chris Statlander like say she's got a look she's got an appeal but she's 
she's she's she's kind of like Orange Cassidy. She's an acquired taste. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's a bit weird, but I dig that about her. She's weird. Well, yeah, I mean, she is from the Andromeda Galaxy, you know. I mean, that's pretty much, you know. And then, like, say, Nyla Rose is, let's say, just, let's say, say, because cause I know that you saw her on the cruise. Did you expect Nyla Rose to be taller than she was? I, because she actually hung out where, you, you know where I was smoking the whole time, right? Yeah. She hung out with uh, us up there. Her wife and her are buddies with two of the people I went with. So she was up there quite a bit. Really nice. I didn't really interact a whole lot, but she is tall, like shorter than I expected. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember seeing her walking around uh, one of the times when she had a mask on. And I straight up was like, that's not a rose. I'm like, I'm, I'm expecting to be like, you know, like at eye level if, or the, I level with her or maybe even like, you know, say maybe even a little bit shorter than her. And I was surprised. I'm walking by. I'm like, Oh, she's really short. <laughs> I'm like, I was, yeah. Like I'm not very tall and I'm, I'm taller than her. Yeah. And yeah. Cause like, like, cause I think the tallest, uh, tallest AEW woman I saw on the entire cruise was Allie, AKA the button. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Say, so, yeah, I ran into her in the lunch line, and I'm like, and she was in her normal workout clothes. I'm like, oh my bad. She was just like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, that was Allie. Just, just it like it didn't even dawn on me, you know. Say so, she didn't have the bunny ears on, so I couldn't couldn't really comprehend comprehend it was her. Um, but but yeah, but but it's one of those things where like say I just felt that that match say could have been one thing, and it just Fell short for me. I say, say Darby, Darby versus Sammy. Yeah, like say that was. I I enjoyed the match uh, thoroughly, but I see what you mean. Like say they could have played up more on the story. Um, but let me let me ask you this: Hager versus Dustin. How did you feel about the Jake Hager versus Dustin Dustin uh, Rhodes match? Um, I I dug it. I mean. I missed the first 10 minutes, though, because uh, I was traveling home from work. So I was trying to watch it in my car on my phone. Gotcha. But, like, overall, I thought it was a good match. I'm not super happy that... Uh, I always call him Goldust, still. That Goldust lost. <laughs> but, I mean, did we expect him to win? No, not in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, so... Nah, but oh, so you missed the part where Hager was making out with his wife, and um, and then Dustin kissed his wife, and yeah, you missed those parts. Yeah, I well, I seen when uh, Dustin kissed her because she's like, "That's disgusting," and I was like, "Yo, face paint." Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I missed the the first part where Jack, Jake, <laughs> was making out with her. Yeah, that was like part of his intro, and it's just like. Okay, there we go. Jake Hager, we know he loves his wife. Do we know? Because he was on the cruise, and I didn't even realize he was married. way he was acting. I mean, he was drunk quite a bit from what I from what I saw. You got a thirst trap, don't you? <laughs> no. 
I've seen him with quite a few women. I was like, all right, that's cool, man. Whatever, float your boat. Hey, hey, we don't know. Like, say, for all we know, for all we know, Jake Hager could have been like, could have got permission. Hey, do what you do at international waters. It don't count. But like I said, though, it is thirst trapping. You got to keep coming in, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead, say adieu to everybody. But before we do, Taryn, Let's let everybody yeah. in the in our in our cage crew know where they can find you, follow you on social media, uh, so that that way they can follow follow the queen of smoking darts and breaking hearts and the queen of the DEC. And if you want to tell people what DEC means, go ahead tell them. All right, so DEC is a faction formed on the first Jericho cruise. Me and two other Canadians got together. Just a couple people like get drunk. So we are known as the Drunk Eyed Canadians. You can follow us on Instagram at Drunk Eyed Canadians. And of course, me being the beautiful queen, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Taryn Lee. I'm on all of it. Very active person on the social media because I have no life, but whatever. Follow us if you want drunk shenanigans from a bunch of drunk, retarded Canadians, pretty much. That's that's it. That's all I got. Smoking darts, breaking hearts. That's what I do. All right. Jerome, your socials. Oh, I think Jerome, I think Jerome uh, fell asleep. Uh, everywhere. No, it's at everywhere. It's at J Spanderman. Sorry. All right, everywhere is Jay Span the Man. And then if you want to follow me, that is right. The man who locks the cage every single week. You can follow me. And I actually just changed my Instagram to tcampbell underscore ITC on Instagram. You can always follow me on Twitter at the Real Trade Camp. And then make sure that you follow the show page at Inside the Cage on Instagram, but that's inside with two eyes at the beginning, okay? So don't say, oh, we couldn't find it. I just told you. Two eyes at the beginning, so that way you absolutely know how to find it. All right. But in the meantime, we wanna we wanna go ahead and thank thank the beautiful queen Taryn for coming on. Really appreciate your time. I know you I know you got some things going on, but wanna thank you for coming on. Absolutely, anytime. All right. All right. So with that being said, the cage door is locked. My name is Terrell Campbell. And my co-host is. And I am your man, Jerome Spam. We want to thank you for your time. And we will try and drop a new episode for you each and every week of Inside the Cage. So thank you all for once again being locked inside 